In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and... I'm going to just let you know from the get-go that this episode has a lot of electric light orchestra in it. I spoke first to Borns and then to Carrie and Josh from the Austin band Calliope Musicals. And ELO is a major player in both interviews. And I say this because maybe you're like me, like maybe you're not so familiar with ELO. Maybe they just kind of existed on like oldies radio for you, but believe me, by the end of this episode, you are going to know some ELO. So let's get started with Borns. He's a singer and a songwriter, and his 2015 record Dopamine is this series of like really artfully crafted, lush pop songs. And he was in Austin, Texas in March for the South by Southwest Music and Interactive and Movie and Everything Festival. And while he was here, we met up to talk for the podcast. And honestly, we kind of got our wires crossed. Like, he was under the impression that he would play a song for me. And he was ready with his guitar to play one. And I was like, no, no, I want to talk about a song, which... Looking back, I had a chance to have Borns play a song for me, and I totally should have taken it. Anyway, we ended up talking about the song he was going to play, which was an ELO song, and that led us to talk about how he got interested in music and ultimately to talking about his own songwriting process. So here he is, Borns. song that I enjoy and that is very pleasing to play on a record but also to just play on an instrument is a song called Turn to Stone by Electric Light Orchestra. The chord changes are very classic Jeff Lynne, very dreamy lifts and major to minor. Sort of melancholy feelings. It's just a beautifully written song. Do you remember the first time you heard it? No, I don't really remember the first time I heard it because I grew up listening to ELO, but I recently started playing it on acoustic guitar. And um, it kind of just brought back memories of growing up listening to those records, so. Who 
Whose ELO records were those? Were those yours or were they your folks? Uh, no, they were my folks. They had a pretty eclectic record collection. Yeah. yeah. What was it about those ELO records? Do you remember? Like it was. It sounds like something you grew up just kind of listening to. That was just kind of around, mm-hmm. but maybe that you were attracted to more than some of the other stuff that your parents listened to. I guess the records are very much as visually stimulating as they are sonically stimulating. I just kind of like the symphonicness of them, very dreamy quality, just really elegantly written pop songs. And uh, I'm a sucker for a song with way too many chord changes and modulations and stuff like that. But Jeff Lynne has this way of making it seem extremely simple, although it's quite complex, you know? He's found an art for um, pop songwriting that's very much just his own thing. started to actually learn an instrument? Um, I was pretty young. My parents had a baby grand piano in their living room and I guess, I can't remember how old I was, but I was probably like in kindergarten or first grade just figuring out songs that my parents were playing, just trying to emulate them, trying to copy them, and just learning Elton John songs and just melodies that I liked on the piano just by ear. I think most of my musical education came from is just listening to records and just trying to emulate them. Did you ever have any like formal instruction where someone sat you down and said, okay, now this is why these songs work, like this, this is theory, or was it something that you always just kind of tried to figure out on your own. As far as pop songs, no. That's always been kind of a self-discovery thing. But classically, I've like studied a little bit of theory, and I studied like some classical piano once I graduated high school, and uh, just ear training and stuff like that. I didn't dive too far into it, because I realized that I like knowing some of the stuff and theory-wise, but I also like keeping some of it a mystery and, you know, not being too literate (laughs) because I think music is just kind of another spiritual life form that you have to tap into you know you can't really try to explain it you said that you're attracted to this ELO song or or songs in general that have like way too many chord changes when you started writing your own songs was that something that you would try to do like to put a bunch of different interesting movements and changes in your songs not really I kept it pretty simple But over the years of discovering new chords and just like diminished and major, major, minor, seven augmented (laughs) chords, you know, I just started like compiling them and seeing what would happen. So I don't know. Uh, To be honest, it's just a guilty pleasure. But it's, I just find it interesting putting all those crazy changes in in a song, but making it very palatable, you know? and having it not be too heady. Having it not be the kind of thing where someone who doesn't know anything about music will listen to it and go like, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm out. I can't hang. Yeah. And so you said that mostly the way that you kind of learned how to do music was by listening to other people. And was it like emulating them and then kind of figuring out what they did and then learning new things after you'd figured something out? 
Yeah, I think it's just discovering their patterns, similar melodies that they always go to, chord changes that they use. Everyone kind of has a melodic personality. I'm always listening for that within songs, listening to it in my own songs too, like figuring out what I, what I always do, you know, and um, what are the melodies I always go for. Do you try to figure out the melodies you always go for so that you can change that or just so you can have knowledge about like, this is kind of where I'm at and what I'm doing right now? I think it's just observing it. A lot of times in the moment I don't realize it, but after I've written a song, I might listen back to it and be like, oh, that part's just like this song or whatever. So I don't know. I'm always open to keep expanding my vernacular. Do you perform this song, the yellow song, live now? Uh, No, I don't. I mean, I just kind of play it on my own. Yeah. Is it something that you go to for inspiration or do you do just just play it because it's like just nice to play and sounds cool and yeah it just sounds cool to be honest uh, it's just a song that I recently started playing during soundtrack it's not like a song I play every night before bed or anything or <laughs> cry to in, in the shower it's just a, it's just a cool song When you're writing, is that kind of what comes first? A chord progression or? Not always. Sometimes it's figuring the chords out later because it's like the landscape for the melody to like frolic over, you know? So you could have what seems like a really boring melody that just seems like a stroll through the park. But if the park is made up of these holes and lava underneath (laughs) a treacherous walk what you thought was a walk through the park it makes it a lot more interesting so sometimes the melody comes first and the chords come underneath sometimes chords come first and melody is on top sometimes i just chop it up mix it around did the words ever come first are you that kind of writer there's always like a good amount of poetry or just poetic phrases i guess on my mind sometimes i have a phrase and it'll stick with me for like a month or however long it needs to until it fits into the right song. Sometimes I try to fit it into different songs and, ah, it doesn't work in this one. And finally, you know, it works. Like one of my songs in, on the album is called uh, The Emotion. And I had this line, islands under eyelids. And I wrote that down and I had it for a long time. And I was like, I really want to use this in something because it was just very visual for me. I just liked the idea of your iris being an island within, you know, your face (laughs) and just the um sort of the alliteration is nice when it finally happens when you find that phrase that you've been wanting to fit into a song does it feel like a eureka moment or does it feel just like oh there it is that's what i was waiting for yeah it's just kind of finding it's it's like oh that's where it belongs it's amazing to me how the brain is like the puzzle master or something it's like this problem solver and a lot of times all you have to do is go like um okay i've got this thing Mm -hmm. You let me know when you figure it out, then I'll be happy with the answer. Yeah, totally. It's like, am I just trying to say this because it makes me sound clever or like, does it actually mean something or like help the song? I think that's a big thing. It's like, sometimes you have to get over yourself. If you write a line that you're like, oh, it's such a clever line, but it doesn't fit really. It's like, it shouldn't be in there. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes it's hard because you want to be like, but if... I need to put it in a song so people will know how clever I am. (laughs) 
or so it just sails over people's heads and doesn't even matter yeah. <laughs> so yeah do you think that writing like that in general do you think that getting out of your way or getting your ego out of the way is part of your writing process the ego's involved definitely but i try to catch my ego off guard or something and i try to kind of like always put down my first initial idea and then just sort of completely abandon it almost to the point where it's not my idea anymore you know what i mean because like when you're working on something and you keep looking at it and you keep editing it and you keep changing it it's a lot of times it's your ego or like self-consciousness making weird decisions because maybe you're thinking oh what is this going to be like when i perform it and do you think i can i say this on stage or whatever but a lot of the times it doesn't really matter so i like to get my initial idea down and then put it out of the way and then listen to it later almost like it wasn't my idea, like someone was suggesting it. And then I'm like, oh, and you can hear it differently. Because sometimes you can have an idea and think it's and then somebody else could suggest the same idea to you and you'd be like, oh man, I wish I thought of that, you know? <laughs> so um, it's weird, yeah, you're, the, the tricks your brain plays on you. But yeah, it's all about abandoning your own ideas and then rediscovering them like it's some golden nugget. <laughs> Shadows fill my mind up. tell me my time's up. I lost counsel on the road. Maybe my heart's numb. Don't hold my hands accountable. The young and you can hear emotion from the Bourne's record Dopamine. And this is actually the song that has that islands under eyelids line that he talked about in the interview. I'll post this song to the Spotify playlist for the episode since we never play full songs. We make a Spotify playlist for every episode so you can hear all the songs all the way through. Bournes also came into Studio 1A recently and did a live performance, which I missed because I was on vacation and I was so bummed. But luckily, we recorded it and videotaped it and live streamed the show on our Facebook page. So I was able to check it out after the fact. And it's really good. And I'll post links to the audio for that show and the video for that show, which is up on Viewhouse and to the KTX Facebook page so that you can experience Borns in whatever format suits you best. Before I go on, I want to ask that if you liked the story you heard from Borns, then please head over to iTunes and become a This Song subscriber or Maybe you don't do iTunes. Maybe you're a Stitcher person. Well, you could follow us on Stitcher. Or maybe you don't do Stitcher or iTunes, but you're more of a podcast addict person. Well, go ahead and follow us there. However you listen to podcasts, we'd love to make sure you're getting weekly This Song episodes. Like next week, we'll have Adrian Casada, who founded Grupo Fantasma and is now in Brownout and who just released his own record under the name The Echocentrics on the podcast. And we'll also have Austin artist Graham Wilkinson. And you could just get it delivered right to you. 
I also want to let you know that KUT, our sister news station, has lots of great podcasts like Views and Brews that serves up discussions from the Cactus Cafe every couple weeks. The latest show features a look at Miles Davis's second quintet. There's a live discussion about the significance of this moment in music history, and there's also some great live jazz featuring drummer Brandon Temple and bassist Roscoe Beck and other fantastic players. All you have to do is search KUT Views and Brews in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or check it out at KUT.org. Okay, now on to Carrie Fusell and Josh Bickley from the Austin band Calliope Musicals. They're a band that plays what they term psychedelic party folk, which really is like a great description of the sound they make. They put on these amazing shows complete with confetti cannons and inflatable things, and the band like gives their all. They're totally my kind of band. They just released a record called Time Owes You Nothing, which is gorgeous, and it has an accompanying coloring book. Each page was done by a different artist and represents a different song on the record. Like I said, they're my kind of band. Carrie sings and Josh plays drums and they're married, though they didn't make a big deal out of that fact. Like, I didn't even know they were a couple until they came into KUTX to record this interview. Anyway, they both talked about music that really helped them become the band they wanted to be and get ready for it because there is a lot more ELO coming at you, which is totally a good thing. So here they are, Carrie Fusil and Josh Bickley. I was pretty nervous about picking one because I... I don't know. I'm, I lo- obviously love music. <laughs> I'm a big fan, like fan first. Um, and so I kind of went back and forth a lot, but I ended up settling on Tightrope by ELO. grown-up job and I was working um, like a 40-hour week job at a desk being a software account manager. Um, Whoa, you were a software account manager? Yes. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, I graduated college and Matt and I had started this band and we really wanted to go on tour. We really wanted to make records and I was like, well, we have to have money. (laughs) Yeah. So, and he was working a full-time job and I was like, well, so if I just get a job and save up some money, then I can do those things I want to do. Cool. um, Yeah, I worked at this awesome, really cool company with really cool people, but I I would just pretty much sit in my office all day and get all my work done and then cry. (laughs) Listen to, like, Fleetwood Mac and just cry. (laughs) People in the office would be like, uh, we can quieter, cry quieter, we can totally hear you. burned out I think just feeling like I just wanted to express myself all the time and the idea of sitting somewhere for 40 hours a week for a third of your day 
that's just that's so sad to me it's just sad and i don't think that's how people are supposed to live whatever we can talk about that for a while <laughs> um but i would listen to pandora and um living thing by yellow would constantly pop up on my pandora and i would always like like it so i could get more of of yellow higher and higher, it's a living thing it's a terrible thing to lose it's a given thing what a terrible thing to lose and i remember the way the record cover looked it was like black with that neon red and blue and yellow and so it like was kind of burned in my memory and one day i went to um, waterloo and was flipping through the dollar bins and I found a new world record, and I was like, this is the record that keeps popping up on my Pandora. And so I bought it, and I took it home, and I put it in, and the first track is Tightrope. And it starts out with this, like, very ominous, like, string section, like, like, what's about to happen? And, I mean, I get chills thinking about it. It just, like, sets this awesome orchestral mysterious tone and then it all of a sudden shifts out and just busts into this really fun happy rock and roll sing-along song like when you heard it you were at this kind of it sounds like you were at this this kind of not low point but just an exhausted point like yes. you were you were overwhelmed by everything that you wanted to do and everything that you had to do to do everything that you wanted to do yes. <laughs> um so what was it about tightrope like hearing was it was it the right song at the right time? Like I think it was the right song at the right time. And really, I mean, I could pretty much go into an in-depth conversation about any song on that record. And it was really tough for me to pick one because, <laughs> I mean, that it has, like, rock aria. Just got back from the downtown party where the music was so sweet. Now we're right back in the alley. I'm ready. Telephone line and living thing and um, mission, a new world record. It's just like that album to me, and I, 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 I kind of view that as one, it's one piece. It's something you listen to all the way through, and it's got this fun story, and so I guess Tightrope specifically, I just love the way that it's set up. Every And I really didn't know a lot of songs on the record when I put it in, and it just, listening to it just like set this tone for what the rest of the album was going to be, and I would just, I would dance around my room. I, I bought a lot of shoes at that period of my life <laughs> as well. I had lots of shoes, and I would just put on like my favorite shoes. And I lived in this tiny apartment that was all mine, and... 
I it it felt like what I wanted to feel like and the song sounded like how I wanted to sound and it was kind of just this whole experience for me. It created this whole world where I could exist and like I could close my apartment door and pretend like I was anyone I wanted to be. I wanna look you straight in the eye. Hey. I wanna tell you how we feel. everything that I wasn't really aware that rock music could have at that point like it took away any boundaries and any rules for like I mean I've always wanted a band that could do anything kind of and that wasn't necessarily like this is a rock band this is a country band this is a indie band or whatever I I love the idea of being able to evolve and change and letting your music do that with you um, and that's just, I mean, that, that record is that to me. It is this total exploration of like breaking all the rules. I love it. Think that it changed your writing when you heard this yellow record oh, without question <laughs> without question i mean they they sing about i mean so do you know telephone line i, I don't know telephone line i mean oh, i feel telephone line give me some time i'm living in They write about anything. They, I mean, Telephone Line starts out with this guy, and he's like, hello, how are you? He's, like, talking on the phone to this person. And it's just creative, and it's... I I like to hope that that it has. I mean, everybody wants to hope they're doing something unique and different. I mean, I, I like to hope that that record, that people can hear that in our music and that exploration of just, like, doing doing fun stuff and not necessarily feeling like you have to like one, two, three, four, -da -da -da, you know, whatever. Yeah. Know. Hello. How are you? Have you been all right? Through all those lonely, 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 That's what I'd say. I'd tell you everything. So on this new record then, is it more is it more expansive than your other records? Did you take more chances? Was it more like Definitely. just doing so, whatever yeah. you wanted want to do? Definitely. I, I I wouldn't say it was doing whatever we wanted to do. It, we definitely pushed ourselves. There's tons of singing on the album, which is definitely an yellow thing. There's even some fun like operatic like like layers in there that kind of fill everything in, which is a total yellow thing and. Um, you know, lots of like, uh, like pads, strings, and like synth things that just kind of fill in and make it take up a little more space. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, we definitely pushed ourselves on the album and did things that we didn't really think we were capable of. I I love that like 
I don't feel like we're the same band that started recording the album, you know, and that's, that's a good feeling. Like, I just think like evolution and change is so natural. And I, I love that as part of art. Yeah, that's kind of what you want to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, totally. For the change to happen within you and then to happen within people who are hearing what you yeah. do. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I can't wait to listen to ELO. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I can't believe you get to listen to this for the first time. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> it's morning in the ground's wet. My world is just waking up. Wish that I could see it, but my eyes are still tightly shut. One of my other favorite bands is uh, Blind Melon, and I chose a song called Change by them. I don't feel the sun's coming out today. Staying in, it's gonna find another way. Yeah. As I sit here in this misery, I don't think I'll ever know, Lord, seen the sun from here. Lyrically, it applies to our band, it applies to my life a lot, but it applies to the band of kind of pushing yourself and knowing that life is hard and you just got to keep pushing forward. Well, and, and the last song, the last line of the song is, Life is hard, you have to change. Life is hard, you have to change. Do you ever Life listen to Blind Melon? Well, I think I've only listened to the radio hits that came out. Right, they you know, had the like, song yeah. No Rain. That was that was cool, but they have a pretty deep discography. They're known more for their loud rock, psychedelic kind of stuff, uh -huh. and uh, "Change" is a very stripped-down acoustic song, and it's just the lead singer and his guitar, and the drums come in a little bit, but they don't play a large role in the song, and that was always very interesting to me how much that song spoke to me, but it's also very stripped down, and it's not what I generally go for so and you're a drummer and i'm a drummer and their, their drummer's glenn graham and he's phenomenal but you chose a song that actually doesn't it's doesn't, not about the drums no it's not which you know bonham great yeah. great drummer led zeppelin great songs um but the message of that song really really struck a chord with me more question that I have about your son Josh is I mean it seems like you're really attracted lyrically to um, Blind Melon and is that something that you also really dig hearing in the band that you're in you know these kind of like songs where you can like you feel like they're kind of taking people to this plate I'm not really sure what my question is but um, I, think we, I think we can kind of do that yes <laughs> no I feel I definitely feel I I try to imagine 
our shows, and this is kind of visualizing it for me, is a lot like surfing. Mm-hmm. And you get up and you you ride the wave and you have to ride it for so long until that each wave is a song almost. They can be different speeds, they can you know different tempos, and different things can happen all around you while that's happening. And um, to have everybody in on that and to get the audience included and have everybody up balanced and riding this one thing all at once is a really great experience. And that's what I think we tried try to create at all the shows. Everybody gets to ride the wave together. Everybody gets to ride the wave. Calliope Musical's new record, Time Owes You Nothing. And can we just all go surfing together while listening to ELO? Like, ELO. I'm officially obsessed, as I hope you are, too. Calliope Musicals is actually out on the road now promoting their record, and I'll post a link to their tour schedule because maybe they're coming to your town. That would be lucky, right? And if they're not coming to a town near you, then you can still check them out. They came into Studio 1A in January, and I'll post links to the View House videos from that session. And they did an acoustic version of Fleetwood Mac's Dreams backstage at Austin City Limits Festival last year that will blow you away. So I'll post a link to the View House video for that, too. And that's it. We have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This Song is a production of KUTX 98.9. This episode was produced and edited by Jack Anderson, David Sanger, and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Art Levy. And if you want to hear Jack Anderson on the air, he is on the air every Saturday night from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. I recorded both the Bournes and Calliope Musical interviews myself. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for their help on this podcast. And yes, our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own excellent hardproof Afrobeat. You can email us at thissong at KUTX.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. We are at thissongKUTX. You can follow us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcast Addict or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.
KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.